Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, everybody. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor right here at the Block Church. Welcome again to Halftime. We do this once a year where we just take a break from in-person services. We're at home or at the beach or we're vacationing somewhere. We love to do it. We love to give the rest uh, to many of you incredible volunteers, nice reset for our staff, and really a celebration of the first six months of all God's done uh, in the year. Now, I want to give you a little history of halftime because it really is kind of funny. Early on, I think one of our first years, I think 4th of July was like on a Sunday or something. And we're like, nobody's going to come to church. Let's just do church outside. Let's just try to reach the neighborhood. And so we had music playing and we were preaching outside. We were singing God bless America. Like we really went for it. But every year it just kept getting hotter and hotter until finally one year, nobody talked to anybody. You know, we're trying to encourage fellowship and connection and community, but nobody talked to anybody because it was so hot and everybody just hung in the shade. And we're like, that's the last year. We're just going to take the Sunday and give it to the Lord. So here we are. I hope you're having the best day, whatever you're doing but you're listening to this message and you're hearing it or watching it. And while you're doing that, I would love if today you're commenting a little bit with me, uh, you're saying amen, uh, you're sharing this and you're subscribing to our church's YouTube page. Just helps us get the word out. And our YouTube is a very important place for all of our messages and so forth. All right. So now I said halftime, we're celebrating the first six months. And I want to do that because sometimes you get to halftime time and you're like, man, I don't know. Was the year good so far? Am I winning? Am I losing? It's been tough. I can honestly say from the status of our church, it's been a great first half of the year, great first six months. And I just want to say, praise God. And I want to thank all of you who contribute and make that happen. I just want to kind of go back a little bit and just celebrate kind of the good things that God has done. Maybe some of my favorite moments of the first six months. First and foremost, we kicked off 2023 talking about Jesus for 12 weeks with our series point of view. And I don't know about you, it was my it was my favorite series we've, we've ever done. Maybe you have a favorite series, you can comment, but I loved it. Then we jumped into the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl in February, and it was awesome. We celebrated. Of course, we did lose, and I was depressed for a solid two weeks, didn't even eat, And uh, but... I'm kidding. I did eat. Um, but, you know, I would have done it all over again. It was a fun time uh, as a church family. And then we did Sit With Me Sunday, which really was our best sit with me. Uh, every week is a good week to invite somebody to church, but we put a little bit more emphasis on it during Sit With Me. Lots of people got saved and gave their life to Jesus. Church grew, and that was a great day. And then that jumped right into our best Easter we've ever had, where we celebrated and the creative story of God, had almost 2,000 people uh, with us in church. Unbelievable. And since the start of 2023, we've baptized over 70 people. Come on, somebody. Can we give God a praise for that? And we're only halfway through. 
Let's see God beat that hundred mark together. And then finally, we celebrated, I think, well, I don't think, it was our best, most well-attended team conference where we celebrate all the amazing volunteers and we serve other pastors and great speakers. But there was one moment that was my favorite and maybe yours too, where we gave $20,000 to City Reach, another church in Philly who's gonna go plant in Kensington. I'd love for you to just take a look at that right now. But I'm like, so I was like, well, just come to team conference so I can sit on it a couple of days. But there's nothing like obedience. And there's no investment like the kingdom of God. And so we need to be in Kensington. And so on behalf of the Block Church, here's 20 grand. Let's finish the job. Let's get it done. Come on. In Jesus' name. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for going to Kensington. Thank you for... Um, Thank you for doing the hard thing that many people don't want to do. And I know God's going to bless you. You're going to send people from Northeast and then God's going to fill it back up again. And then you're going to have more problems because you're going to need more parking and another building and more locations. And so we just prophesy that over you, that this is just the start. Uh Wasn't that amazing? Um, I love doing that. I love we get to be a part of that. Before I preach the message, and it's a short message, so nobody worry too much. Um, I do want to say to all of our kids' ministry teams, the Block Kids, thank you. Our kids' ministry is growing a lot, and we're reaching kids. And I, thank you for serving in kids' ministry. Any of you um, who have a passion for that, let's talk about that. You're, you're welcome to serve in kids' ministry. And also want to say to those who serve the Block Youth and the Block Cares, we're reaching students, teenagers all across Philadelphia. So thank you. Um, I believe in the best is ahead for the next generation here in Philadelphia uh, and at the Block Church. All right, so let's dive into the message. I want to title today's message since it's been such a good first half. I want to title the message, Finish the job. Finish the job. All right, if you're at the beach or you're next to somebody who you want them to ask you to marry them, look at them and say, finish the job. Um, no, but seriously, finish the job, right? You, you've seen sports teams maybe go into halftime and they're winning and they come out in the second half and they're flat and they lose the game. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for you. We got to learn how to finish the job. And I do believe the Bible gives us some great script for that. And I'm going to teach us about King Solomon today, son of King David. I'm going to read a lot of scripture right now. So stay with me. Don't check out. And then I'll give a very brief follow-up message to it. Okay. So we're, we're starting first Kings chapter three, verse three. And the Bible says that Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night, verse five, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Now I want to stop there for a second. Please pay attention to the fact that Solomon was outrageously above and beyond generous. And it was after that outrageous generosity 
of sacrificing these thousand bulls that God speaks to him and says, whatever you want. A good lesson for all of us, and this is not a giving sermon, but a good lesson for all of us is, is we get God's attention in our obedience and in our sacrifice, saying that he is first and he is most because he can trust us. He can trust our heart. Solomon says, a thousand bulls. And God says, what do you want? He could trust Solomon at that point. Verse nine, Solomon says, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? I will give you, God says, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or will have. And I, verse 13, I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. Okay, let's stop there again. Solomon, he sacrifices the thousand bulls. God's like, I can trust you. What do you want? Instead of asking for riches and fame, Solomon asks for wisdom and understanding to lead God's people. God goes, I can trust you. Your heart's in the right place. So I will also, in addition, give you riches and fame. Then he wakes up, right? And worships some more. Now let's jump to chapter nine, verse one and two, and then four through nine. So Solomon finishes building the temple of the Lord. David, his father, wanted to build it. Too much blood on his hands, couldn't. As well as the royal palace, he completed everything he had planned to do. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had done before at Gibeon. Verse four, as for you, if you follow me with integrity and godliness, as David, your father did, right? So God's laying out some conditions, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father, David, one of your descendants will always sit on the throne of Israel. But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees I've given you, and if you serve and worship with other gods, then I will uproot Israel from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. Verse eight. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled and will gasp in horror. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? Verse nine, and the answer will be because his people abandoned the Lord, their God, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and they worship other gods instead of bowed down to them. That is why the Lord has brought all these disasters on them. Okay, let's stop reading for a second. Again, God appears to Solomon well done. Okay, this is a holy temple. This, this, is, this is amazing. I'm with you, except unless if you abandon me, if you worship other gods. Very important that God lays out some conditions for his blessings. Do you hear me? God lays out conditions for his blessings. Now, let's jump to the last part of the reading. First Kings chapter 11, 1 through 6 and 9 through 11. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, 
Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Verse 4, in Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Verse 5, Solomon worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Verse 9, and I'm finished. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Woof. All right. I know that was a lot to read. But you understand why I read it all to you. I wanted to set you up and understand that Solomon, at first, he was winning. His heart was in the right place. He desired the things of the Lord, and God blessed him. He was hungry. He was passionate. He was generous. He was sacrificial. He was all the things he was supposed to be. But when he got outside of God's desires and design, well, chaos and destruction ensued. For you and I, for our church, I believe we've had a great first half. But we've got to finish the job. We cannot do what Solomon did and get complacent. So how do we avoid this and keep winning in the second half? I'm going to give you three quick things, and then I'll send you on your way. Here's number one. We have to always keep the passion. Keep the passion. In 1 Kings 3.9, you see Solomon saying, Lord, I want to lead these people the way you want me to lead them. That, that's passion for his name, for his glory. It's a longing for God. It's a longing for his presence. And like I said before, many teams, they play a first half. They're hungry. They're passionate. They're winning. And then they get complacent in the second half. They lose their passion. They don't step on the neck of the enemy. They let the enemy, they let the opposition back into the game. And I want to encourage you in the second half of the year, stay hungry for God. Stay hungry for the things that you know are right. Stay passionate. Pray. Fast. Seek. If you've got things you're attempting and hoping for, maybe you're on a weight loss plan. Maybe, maybe you're trying to stay away from toxic relationships. Maybe you've really served the Lord well and you find yourself a little bit tired. Or I don't know what it is, but what I'm telling you is, is if you want to stay in God's blessing, stay in God's favor, if you want to keep winning, stay passionate. Keep the flame burning. Had Solomon done that, we'd be talking about a whole different story. Number two, how do we keep winning in the second half? Well, we have to keep the faith. 
keep the faith. You see in 1 Kings 9, 4 and other places, God going, hey, if you want my blessing, you, you, you've got you've to stay faithful. You've got you've to not go away from my ancient commands, what I instructed your father to be and do. Stay with that. Keep the faith. And keeping the faith is like this. When it looks bleak, when you're tempted to go elsewhere, you stay faithful. You stay believing. Friends, never in my life have I seen more people leave the faith over their feelings than in this last few years. And feelings are real and they are valid, but they aren't always True. And Paul writes to Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And some of us need to dig deeper into our faith in the second half of the year than even we did in the first half of the year. We might need to read more books and listen to more sermons and explore areas of faith we have never been. We need to stop getting caught up in new age ideas that haven't lasted thousands of years successfully like the story, the narrative, the truth, and the power of Christianity. God has been faithful to you. We must return that by being faithful to him. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. I want to encourage you when you're tempted to believe other things or when you're offended by the scriptures or when it's not happening as fast, as quick, or the way you want it, stay faithful. God always proves himself. And if we want to stay under his faithfulness, if we want to stay under the winning of the kingdom, we got to keep faith. Got to be passionate. We got to be faithful. Here's the last one. I want to encourage you to keep obeying. First Kings 9, 6, again, God reiterates, hey, you got to stay obedient to my commands. And long obedience in the same direction equals a long and satisfying life. And I want to encourage you to stay thoughtful as to the things God has written and the things you know God has spoken to you about. I think sometimes we get tempted to not be obedient to the Lord or change directions because we feel like, man, I'm being obedient and there's been no fruit of it. A good question to ask yourself is this. What's the last thing God asked me to do? Have I done it? Is God completed it? If not, and I don't know what to do, well, then I need to just keep doing the last thing that God asked me to do. I need to keep staying in the same place God asked me to stay if he has not completed the assignment or if you have not completed the assignment. Obedience is at this point in our culture, I think sometimes a trigger word. I'm not gonna be obedient to anyone. I'm my own person. I, authority is not gonna tell me what to do. And a lot of times that comes from an, from a, from an orphan spirit where we don't really trust our good father. And as I close, the best way I thought I could illustrate this is my one and a half year old little girl, Jovi, she's starting to test the limits. You know, my wife will be straightening her hair and of course she's interested in it. And we'll say, don't touch that Jovi. And then she'll go and touch it. And when she recognizes that it's hot, 
Uh, she, of course, then doesn't touch it again, but we're like, hey, it's hot. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. And then her natural instinct is to go over and touch it. The other day, uh, my daughter went into the shower that had just finished the shower. And so it's wet. And I knew she could slip and fall and hit her head. And I'm like, Joey, don't go in there. And I'm walking after her and she's already in there. And so, hey, don't go in there. And so I pull her out and I gently help her get out so she doesn't slip and hit her head. And when she got out, I, I said, we said no. And I gave her a light little tap on the tush. And she's crying and she's unhappy with us. But then she reaches up her arms and says, I want dad, I want dad. After I'm the one who disciplined her. I thought it was interesting and it, it gave me a little bit of perspective, father to daughter that God is not asking us to be obedient so we don't have fun. He's asking us to be obedient for our own benefit, for our own security, for our own safety. And how we respond to what God asks us to do or to God's correction tells us everything we need to know about ourselves. My little daughter, after I corrected her, reached up to hug me. My question for you is, when God corrects you, when he's asking you to be obedient and it's not something you want to do, what is your response to him? Is it to turn and run? Is it to be offended? Or is it to reach up and say, thank you, Father. Thank you, God, for giving me instruction for life that helps me win. We've had a great first half but I want to encourage us, there's still more work to do. There's still more people to win. There is still more miracles to be experienced. There's still more yeses to say yes to God with. There's still more great moments. There's still more ahead for us. And while we've won in this first half, I believe our best, most sweetest victories are coming my hope for you, my hope for us, is that we go and finish the job. I love you all. Let me pray for you. And we'll see you next week in person. Jesus, bless our church. Bless our family. Help us keep the main thing the main thing and finish the job. Thanks for all you've done. We're believing for greater. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.